0: And welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Daisy Bravo is an online pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach and the founder of Strong Moms Fitness. Her passion for health and fitness has led her to a 20-year career, supporting moms to reach their health and fitness goals. Early on in her personal training career, she noticed that many trainers in the gym did not know what to do with pregnant women and new mothers. She identified two types of trainers the ones that were afraid to work with moms, and the others that either ignored or were unaware that these women needed special consideration. Daisy spent years learning how to help herself and other women have an empowered pregnancy. Daisy's mission is to support moms who feel pressure from society to quickly lose weight after baby. Through Daisy's coaching programs, she supports, empowers, and educates women on how to work out safely during pregnancy and then recover to return to exercise after giving birth without risking injury and avoiding crash diets. Daisy Bravo, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balmast Body Radio. Thank you. It is an honor to be here. I'm so glad to chat with you today. Absolutely. It's been really cool to follow your work. I think this subject is so important, and I think all of us could do a much better job understanding some of the things that you teach. And so I'm super um, excited to deep dive with you. But before we do that, we need to give a shout out out to our fathers for putting us in skates at a really young age. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you grew up in Canada, and um, like hockey is in your bloods. That's amazing. So you were basically skating before you were walking. I was pretty much as soon as you know I was pulling up on the furniture, you know, it was time to put on skates. That's amazing. Do you still play today? No, I don't. I just mess around.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I did not. Grow- I
1: do. I do curl though. So for you know, Canadians out there. I I still get on the
0: ice, but in a different fashion. That's amazing. Curling looks awesome. I love watching curling during the Olympics.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it is, it's wild and it's, um, it's definitely harder than it looks. And it's also like, they call it chess on ice. There's a little bit of, um, you know, some strategy involved with it. So it actually like, you kind of work everything when you're curling, so I encourage everyone to go and
0: check it out oh, if you've never awesome. curled before. It's a riot. It looks like so much fun. Like the first five minutes, you're watching it, you're like, "Okay, what is this? It's like a shuffleboard or something." Like, give me a break. But when you start to understand the strategy and how the scoring works, like, oh my goodness, it's it sucks you right in. It's so fun to watch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Salt Lake City. Um, we're just here in the Wasatch Mountains um, in Salt Lake, and so we hosted the Olympics in 2002, which was great because when they did that, they started to build a lot more rinks in my area, but back. Back in the, you know, late eighties, basically when I was a little kiddo, we really only had like one or two rinks and didn't have that much access. And so I didn't start skating until I was much later, but by the first, I'll never forget like watching minor league hockey teams here in Salt Lake and just falling absolutely in love with the sport. I mean, I would, I would take my Legos and organize them into colors and play hockey, like not even (laughs) like building with the blocks, but, um, yeah, just, it's such a fun sport definitely agree with you there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, okay. So your company is called Strong Moms and I feel like you decided really deliberately that that was going to be the name. There could have been another word, an S word that you could have used, skinny moms. Can you tell me why you chose deliberately to use strong moms versus skinny moms?
1: Sure. And, you know, and I think this is a very prevalent right now in, in culture and messaging and things that you see, When it comes to like fitness advertisements, and I specifically wanted to incorporate the word "strong" because it can be interpreted and applied in so many different ways. So it's not necessarily just the fact that you can bend over and pick up something heavy, um, but there's also a a mental component to it. Um, You know, being mentally strong, uh, physically strong. You know, there's you know, it's, it's, it's more than just how you look in the mirror or fitting into a certain pair of jeans. Uh, it's not about being skinny. It's, it's really looking at your health as a whole.
0: Yeah. So many different aspects that go much further beyond how much weight can you lift up off the ground or something. We talked a little bit about your story in the introduction, but I would love for you to go a little bit deeper. How did you become interested in this? Were you always interested in fitness and how did you decide to kind of focus your efforts in this area?
1: Yeah, sure, and I don't know how much time you've got, but um, you know, just like anyone's evolution or journey through life, um, you know, it, it took a lot of twists and turns, and um, there was times where I had more time and effort, and you know, I just kind of took other paths and other journeys. But I started out, you know, fitness, of course, like you had mentioned before, been on skates and in the pool and doing all things fitness from from as young as I can remember. And for as long as I can remember, I've always been into some sort of sport or fitness all through my life. So it just seemed natural for me. I didn't really know what else to do. I wasn't that kid um, in high school that really took to any subject. And it got to the point where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. So I just did at the moment what made me happy. And right out of high school, um, I got my personal training certification and I've, that was, I don't want to say the year cause it's been, it's been a while. Um, but it's going on 20 years now that I have been, you know, officially, um, considered a trainer. And, um, you know, m- my first gig you know, I you learn a lot in your first gig as a trainer. Um, you know, I started out working at you know a, a box gym where um, they just kind of take in trainers, and it's up to you to um, figure out who you work with, what you excel at, and what you want to do. And I ended up working at um, a women's gym at one point, and a lot of the women that I were dealing with, of course, were pregnant or postpartum at some point. And what I realized is that in these, in my general personal training, there was really not much talk about how to manage this population. They give you a couple tips, a couple of tricks, but there was really no focus. So, you know, any trainer with a basic certification for the most part doesn't know what to do with this population. And however, I was thrown into working with this population and I really didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, I apologize to any one of these women that I worked with when (laughs) I was um, in my early, early 20s, because of course I was... You know, a a sporty girl um, starting to do some training. And, you know, you put me in with a 30, you know, 35 year old woman that just had a baby. You know, she's like, Oh, I want to look like you. Well, what do you do? You show them what you've done to get there. And so I was just beating the crap out of these poor women. And I didn't like, I didn't know why they were getting hurt all the time. And you know, I kept blaming them. Uh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe they had bad form. Um, you know, and there was just the thread, the common thread amongst the whole thing was me. I
0: really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, it's so and, ironic because the feeling of that day when you get the certificate, your very first one, yeah. you're like, I knew everything that day. That was the best day ever. Exactly. It's been a steady downhill decline <laughs> since then.
1: <laughs> yeah, my ego like came to a crashing halt, you know, and um you know, I thought I knew everything about fitness. I've worked out my whole life. I know how to eat. I, you know, I know how to show people how to, you know, do a bench press. And I thought I was like the answer, but of course, you know, I faced that reality. So that led me into, you know, finally something clicked in my mind that the common thread was me and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I had to better learn how to serve these women. So yeah, you know, that is kind of what planted that initial seed and started me to get going. And then shortly after that point, um, you know, I was interested myself in getting pregnant. And I, you know, I was a huge CrossFitter at the time, and I was in the best shape of my life. Um, I love like the gymnastics of it, the lifting, like the competition, the whole thing. I was like drinking the Kool-Aid, I had the t-shirt. I was watching the the games, I, you know, I was, I was all in and, you know, it, it was, I was kind of upset that I was in such great shape. And yet I was about to embark in something that was going to change all that. And I can't, like, I, I freaked out, you know, I was like, this is going to change my identity. Who am I going to be after this? I, you know, to be honest, like I didn't want to get fat. Like I've worked my whole life to, to look a certain way. Um, you know, I just didn't want, like, I just didn't want this to happen. So, um, you know, that was also part of what led me to this journey, just to immerse myself in how to do this right. Um, so that, you know, if I want to go back to CrossFit and start competing again, that I can do this without injuring myself and doing this the right way. You know, unlike that like you know new trainer that thought she knew everything. You know, I was humbled because I learned I knew nothing. And so, you know, at this point I was like the only way I'm going to be able to manage this and handle this is if I turn that around and learn everything that I can possibly learn. So, um I have you know spent the last 4 or 5 years just digging into um you know, as many courses as I can, working with physical therapists, working with other uh, trainers who provide education in this. And, um, you know, unfortunately my story, I haven't been able to carry to full term quite yet. So, um, to let everyone know out there, full disclaimer, I'm, I'm still, I haven't, I'm not officially a mom yet. I've gotten close, but not quite, um, But I have in these later miscarriages still had to do some of that, you know, rehab and postpartum work too, because I did, you know, stress out some core and pelvic floor. So that's kind of like me in a nutshell. I hope that got to the point
0: <laughs> yeah, no, a little bit. Absolutely. It did. And I really appreciate your genuineness and your authenticity in explaining that. I, I really do appreciate that. And I, I have a lot of value for people that find their little niche and really niche down in that one thing. And, and for me personally, like in my career, finding my niche and just diving really deep into that thing I, it has really helped me out quite a bit. I think it's important to have a wide range of knowledge in certain topics, but I also think it's really important that when you find your life passion to really go after that thing and be known as the person who knows that topic more than other people. I'm sure that's paid amazing dividends for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been very, very rewarding. And I, it's, it's very fulfilling too. And I actually had a hater online recently. And I'm actually glad I can like chat with this. Uh, is that someone said, you know, how can you train this population if you've, if you've never necessarily, done this or are been through this before and like I should be ashamed of myself that um you know that I'm doing this and you know I've met women who have had 8 children, 9 children and they don't know how to do this stuff. Um so just because you had a baby and you've gone through these things doesn't doesn't necessarily give you the qualifications either. So, um yes, I'm working on it. <laughs> Poor hater and I, you know, don't mean to uh, like misrepresent myself in any way. Um but that does not mean that I cannot offer some support and advice and help women through this journey. And it's very fulfilling for me, um, you know, being someone who struggles personally with this, um, to be able to help women, you know, and see them through this. And I kind of almost feel like I'm, in their shoes. And I'm going through this with them together. And we're, we're working on this together. So I think that's actually one of the best parts of, of
0: my job. Yeah, no, I love that. Again, I think that's very genuine and authentic. And it does give you that feeling of like, I'm in this with you. I'm, I'm, you know, working on this as well. And so I, I, I agree with you. I I wish more people that had those opinions would kind of keep them (laughs) to themselves. Um, Sure, sure. But I was really hoping today that we could kind of talk about women specifically and uh, typical lifestyles, you know, before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after pregnancy. Maybe we could talk about a few things that people need to be aware of. We could talk about a lot of myths, a lot of things that we're we're just kind of told that maybe are not as true as we thought they were. And I was hoping we could maybe start with the woman who, you know, is entering adulthood and is maybe not quite thinking about children. Um, Maybe they're, you know, busy with a career or trying to find a relationship. What things can they start to lay a foundation on in the very, very beginning that can help them later on, even if they're not really thinking about pregnancy. And this could be very generalized as far as like health and fitness.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, for the most part, uh, I think it's just very important, especially in this day and age, to just start to become aware. Um, Of course, a lot of times from a lot of women, you hear um, about unexpected or unplanned um, pregnancies, they happen. Um, and a lot of the times people get the news that they're pregnant and they're frantically freaking out uh, of what to do. Um, so if as women, we realize that there is the um, potential for this to happen, um, I think we should just open our minds and just be aware of different resources um, and things that you know, just like have like a, a go bag for, you know, for example of, you know, when this happens, um, you know, you have a couple of resources and things to jump to when this happens so that so that you're prepared and then you can kind of take it to the next level from there. Um, anything other than being aware at this moment, you know, just might be a little bit too much, you know, work for a young person to, to take on or to even really care about at this time, but just knowing that certain, um, certain things, certain resources are available to you are very
0: important. Yeah, that's great. I think back in my 20s and had zero awareness of anything. I'm so glad there has been this kind of push into mindfulness and meditation and things like that. There there seem to be a lot more tools out there available for people that they can start looking for that. So I, I love that awareness piece of things. As a woman is progressing and maybe is in a relationship where they're thinking about now having children, how about for this person what what things do they need to be aware of particularly around like health and fitness and getting ready to lay that foundation for a safe pregnancy and a successful uh, parenthood
1: yeah sure so you know once once you've kind of gone past that awareness phase then it's only natural the next phase when you're ready is to go into more of a planning phase um, and get an idea just like you before you start a workout program, you know, you figure out oh, what's you know what's my meal plan going to be like? Uh, what are my you know what's my daily schedule going to look like so that I can carry out this goal? And you can start planning the different pieces of the puzzle and start with the end in mind and say, hey, where do I want to end up? And then from there. Uh, fill in the gaps of what needs to happen in order to get to that end goal in mind. So just kind of starting that planning uh, is going to equip you uh, for that next phase.
0: Gotcha. As a person who's done a lot of personal training and has looked at a lot of different modalities and ways to work out and exercise, is there any particular form of exercise you find to be more helpful in this stage? And one that by and large seems to be like less helpful?
1: Sure, sure, and you know when it comes to, um, you know, getting pregnant or staying pregnant. For the most part, um, there are no, and that, and it seems to be a myth, um, and it's kind of a myth that I I like to to kind of like bust when I talk to women that are interested in getting pregnant or currently pregnant. For the most part, uh, if you're trying to get pregnant, there's not. Many things that you can do uh, when it comes to exercises that are going to prevent your pregnancy, unless you are doing something where you are completely restricting calor uh, calories, um, you, your nutrition is you know crazy off. Um, or you're at a point where you're not getting your period because of the way that you're, you're training and and dieting. So that's really the only thing. you know. For the most part, as long as you're eating um, an okay diet and doing regular workouts, um, then for the most part, you shouldn't have a problem getting pregnant. That's not really... Th- The reason why. And of course, in early pregnancy as well, there is, you know, unless you're doing some base jumping or something or some crazy extreme sports, for the most part, you can continue your workouts as they were before.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask you specifically about really highly calorically depleted diets, especially when paired with a lot of like chronic cardio, um, especially that kind of like middle to high intensity cardio. It seems like the trend is finally starting to kind of go away and people are focusing a lot more on being strong versus being skinny. But that always kind of occurred to me as something that is probably more harmful, um, you know, for later stages down the road. You tend to see a lot of people with really poor metabolic rates a lot of autoimmune issues and things like that. Is that something you've noticed as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it see, and I don't know if, um, because people are just talking about things more, more open in an open forum here with, with social media and podcasts and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. And it kind of like, didn't really seem as prevalent back in the day but right now you're hearing uh younger women trying to get pregnant and they're really really struggling and all of these random autoimmune diseases seem to be popping up and like things are just totally unexplainable when it comes to there's just some new evolutions in sort of fertility and things like that and i am i am of course not an expert on that that's definitely um you know, the, the reasons at like the physical, uh, physiologic reasons are of course not my, uh, my specialty, but I know that for the most part, if we're doing the best for version we can of taking care of ourselves when it comes to health and nutrition. And I think everyone knows what that means. Um, everyone knows what it means when you're doing a crash diet or, um, you know, some insane workouts when you're weighing yourself every day, when you're starving yourself, when you're constantly counting calories, when you're putting a garbage bag on and jumping rope in a sauna, um, done that before. <laughs> um, that's bad. <laughs> um, that's really not going to promote a healthy pregnancy. And, um, you know, in order, you know, and our body is smart. And for the most part, our body knows that, um, if, if what we're doing is, is not healthy overall for our body, it will, it will typically won't get pregnant or it will terminate a pregnancy pretty early. Um, you know, if the body is, is, you know, not healthy enough to, to handle it. So, um, so that's kind of a good, a a good thing in that respect. So we just need to, if someone is serious about being pregnant or getting pregnant, um, typically three months leading up to that, we should start to transition to a different way of managing and taking care care of ourselves. So making sure we're getting our prenatal vitamins, making sure that the exercise that we're doing um, will will support us in a healthy way. There's healthy exercise and of course, um, unhealthy exercise And then, you know, everything comes, you know, a lot of it comes down to, to nutrition and taking care of ourselves in that respect.
0: Gotcha. Well, perfect segue. I was absolutely going to ask you, this is my next question. A lot of people, um, are focused on the prenatal vitamin. Is that something you find to be really effective and really helpful? Is there anything we need to be on the lookout for, um, as far as like quality goes, or is it across the board? Like generally speaking, if you're getting a a prenatal vitamin, it's going to be net positive for you.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, of course, there are um you walk into a GNC or what have you. there's good supplements, there's bad supplements, there's higher quality. there's some that um, go through different quality control testing, some that um, have better fillers in there. so there's there's a lot of things to consider when you get into supplementation. and I think I can do like a whole show talking about. Supplementation, um, supplementation prior to pregnancy at least a minimum of three months with a prenatal is super important. So it does take, and this is what a doctor told told me. So I'm not like I didn't do any studies um, <laughs> or anything about that, but um, I have been informed that it takes about um, three months for. Uh, any sort of nutrition supplementation or any sort of changes in your nutrition to actually affect the quality of um, the egg, like your female egg that you're producing. So, if you are someone who um, you know suffers from something like anemia, you know maybe you don't have enough B vitamins uh, or iron in in your diet. Um, they say that, um, again, like you need to, it needs to be in your system at adequate levels for at least three months for it to really start making a change on, on the egg and the quality, um, of the egg. So we do want to make sure that, um, I know no one these days, especially probably a young busy woman, uh, especially especially young busy woman, maybe, um, in her career early in the career, or maybe just like finishing up a graduate program or something, um, we don't really eat very well. We probably live on, you know, pizza and coffee and, you know, grabbing, grabbing food on the go. And I'm going to guarantee that most women don't have, are not getting their full daily vitamins. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so the supplements are an insurance policy, um, you know, on a not so great diet. Um, it's not the be all end all, <laughs> you know, you still want to, um, eat healthy. We all, we, I think we're all grownups and should know that by this point that you can't really uh, supplement a, a healthy diet, but it is there to fill in those gaps and just to make sure like an insurance policy that if something is missing, it is covered. Now, when it, cover, it comes to quality control, there is a lot to look for. Uh, there's certain vitamins or, that are more absorbable or better absorbable by the body. Um, so you have to look for certain formulations. Um, looking for something like folate instead of folic acid is healthier for you um, and, and better taken in by the body. So there's like a lot that goes in to finding a supplement. So I would recommend anyone that is interested in purchasing a supplement um, is to you know, find the best and highest quality um, health food store that you can and really make the investment in that. And yes, you can go to CVS and get a $9 prenatal, um, but it's going to be a piece of junk. <laughs> and I, I can stand by that statement. You want to find a nice medical grade supplement. And from what I've researched personally, the even the, supp- um, the prenatals that like a doctor would tell you to go and fill at a pharmacy. Those are actually not usually the best quality supplements, believe it or not. So um, I actually show women um, non-prescription versions that are way better than prescription counterparts. And that's because they're more absorbable. I don't know if you um, talk in your show about um, B vitamins and methylation um, and that sort of stuff. And that's important. A lot of the Uh, The vitamins that you get from like a pharmacy and from like prescription, uh, they're not going to be in the methylated form, meaning that a lot of people can't even absorb them, take them in. So I would, I would, again, my recommendation, go to a high quality health food store, talk to a professional over there, and they can show you a a better line of more um, like pharmaceutical medical grade supplements that are better and more bioavailable.
0: Yeah. I love that explanation. That was very well done. I love when people want to do supplements, I'd love to know that there's a specific reason. I want to know exactly why. I don't necessarily love people just taking tons of random vitamins and supplements and whatever because because they think they should. I'd love to know that they have a specific reason, and getting pregnant is a very specific reason. That's totally great. And I do know a few brands that I really love and trust, and I know they're third-party tested. They are a little bit more expensive, but they seem to be really effective. I love to go down that path versus, like you said, just buying whatever cheap supplement at the grocery store because supplements are completely unregulated and if something's not third-party tested you really don't know what's in that bottle it might be completely different or it might be contaminated with something else so i really love and appreciate that explanation that was really well done um as somebody is transitioning um to becoming pregnant, now they're pregnant, what changes do they need to make with health and fitness? This, this gets really confusing. And it's like, you have, you now have to change your entire program, or you have to keep your heart rate below 120, or, you know, all these different things that we hear, it, it is really confusing. And, and even myself, I don't really know what the new recommendations are, or what things people need to be adjusting. How should somebody be thinking about their health and fitness program going into pregnancy, that, comparing it to what they were doing before?
1: Sure. Yeah. And of course, um, I, I think the reason why it's so confusing for a lot of people is because we're all very different and the experience of pregnancy is very different from one woman to the next. It's, it's really not something that can be easily put in a box or easily, um, be wrapped up into a single sentence or or a paragraph of what to do and what what not to do. Um, of course, I'm sure you've heard the old adage that what you did before pregnancy you can keep doing uh, through pregnancy. That's you know one myth that I continue to talk about uh, regularly because it seems to be like the biggest argument that I get <laughs> um, online, but. What it comes down to, and yes, and I and I do, you know if if your listeners are interested, I do have a guide that actually breaks down through each trimester of things to, and I call it like the do and don't guide, but it breaks things down of um, hard stops at different phases of pregnancy. For the most part, let's say, for example, you are a runner. Yes, you can run throughout your whole pregnancy. The question is, um, is it going to look the same as, let's say, you're four weeks pregnant uh, versus 32 weeks pregnant? Is your running going to look exactly the same? And the answer is no. It's going to be an evolution, and I I do you know, people throw the word around maintenance a lot. Like I want to maintain my fitness throughout pregnancy. And although, and that's why I like the word strong is as long, you know, we can keep getting stronger throughout pregnancy. And that's where that whole mental portion comes into. We can continue to work out our body and be mentally and physically strong through pregnancy. However, um, the demands on our body have increased. So our output is is obviously going to decrease in some way as we progress further through pregnancy, if if that makes sense. So um, yes, we do want to avoid, you had had mentioned earlier, um, like heart rate 120. Um, I don't usually like to go by numbers like that um, because one, if a woman's out working out, not unless you have like an Apple Watch or some of these um, technologies these days. I'm not someone that wears um, any sort of like a Fitbit or anything. I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm being like radiated and zapped all the time, um, you know. Unless I'm doing something focused, I don't typically wear that stuff. So, and and I would probably assume that a great percentage of the population doesn't either. Um, so we can't say 120 and, and make it a hard stop. Um, I take every workout that. Um, I work with, with women, with work, with work them through with, or, um, or I advocate for is every workout and every day is different. So if you are working out, regardless of whatever stage of pregnancy is, you want to make sure you are breathing that you can you know that whole talk test when you're working out you're not gasping for air you can keep up a conversation you're not so like sweating to the point where you think you're going to pass out um all you know all of those normal signs um you know that that's what's most important here is if you are if you are gasping for air and you feel like and I and I see this in crossfit a lot um you know back in my day is the goal was to like see who would puke at the end of the day like who worked out the hardest and you know that's that's not something to strive for in pregnancy you don't want to get to that point where you're feeling like you're going to puke um that's you know and that can look different so for some people uh let's say you're doing some just something like stair climbing um maybe on one day one morning i'm able to um scale five flights of, of steps, no problem. But maybe the next day, it's so much like I'm waking up and I'm a different person. Um, I'm struggling to breathe. I'm sweating and overheating. So maybe I only make one flight of stairs. And that's okay. Um and but that's what women need to learn and accept. And I think, especially athletic women, we learn to turn off these pain cues and cues from our body that we're working hard. You go and do any fitness class, especially like a boot camp, something like that. Keep going. Push through. You know, you can do it. And that's not the mentality you want to go in when you are pregnant. You just want to be able to listen to your body in a new way. You want to um, have a a greater sensitivity to what the feedback that your body is giving to you. And as long as you can start learning how to feel that feedback and listen to that feedback, for the most part, you're going to be able to do the majority of the exercises you did before throughout your pregnancy. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into a list of like hard stops at different levels of pregnancy. Um, but I think again, the most important thing we can do is start listening to the natural feedback that our body's giving
0: us. That's awesome. I think that's super helpful. I always felt like the heart rate recommendations were really, um, not based on anything. I wondered what, what, why they seem so arbitrary. didn't understand like, was there yeah. a proper study done on this? Yeah. So for a lot
1: of the numbers that you'll see and recommendations um, are just kind of numbers that are thrown out there. And, you know, based upon the data that says that, you know, the whole like 220 minus your age and you take your average age for the average group of pregnant women and you take that average number and you want them to be around a 60 to 70 percent um, you know, of you know of the of their peak heart rate, and so that's just kind of like they've used other numbers to just mishmash it together and do some sort of like a meta analysis of ambiguously of where these women should be. And my heart rate is different. Can you know as as someone that's athletic, it's of course as you know, it's going to be different from someone who's never worked out before, and then also you know, when you're pregnant, um, the heart like has a mind of its own too. So, um, there's, there's a lot more considerations there, but if you're working out and you're like feeding, feeling your heart beat out of its chest, you're working too hard. Agree. <laughs> um, so, so you don't even want to get there. Um, or if you are getting to that point, then you need to sit down and just get your heart rate down and then go back. Then you can certainly go back into it. If it's something that happens all the time and you feel like you can't get control of your heart rate, that's, that's an obvious visit to the doctor as well. Um, You know, there is a line between like preeclampsia and eclampsia and all these things that, you know, we don't want to get to, but for the average um, individual, as long as we're not gasping for air and we're our heart is pounding and we feel like we're being chased like, from a lion or something, then you know, most of what we're doing is okay.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I was able to work on a metabolic cart for over a decade and we would validate heart rate with fat burning and VO2 max and all these different things. And sure enough, like most people did get the best fat burning results when they were at about a five out of 10 on a scale of rate of perceived exertion. How difficult do you think this exertion is for you? And a five out of 10 is calm nasal breathing. You're certainly moving, you know, you're getting a light sweat on, but you're not killing yourself. You could easily have a conversation. And most people are are the most benefited if they're in that area, regardless of where that heart rate is for you, because we noticed the same thing that you said. Like everybody has widely different heart rate ranges. It's it's so different. It's like the average example that you gave was so good. If you were to take the average pant size of an American and give everybody in America those pants, it's like, yes, this is the average, but how many people is is that actually going to fit? You're going to have tons of people above or below the average line curve. So I think that's really helpful. I I want to see your thoughts on nutrition as well, because my hunch is basically whatever you were doing before, I pretty much want you to continue doing what you were, you know, really focus on whole foods, regardless of what dietary choice you make. Yes. I want you to be in a caloric surplus. Maybe make sure you're getting plenty of food and adequate food. But when I hear like, Oh, I'm eating for two now, like yeah, there's a second person growing in you, but they're not 150 pounds like you are. You don't need to eat double what you were eating before. We see a lot of, um, issues in my opinion with gestational diabetes and things that, you know, we can, we, we really need to be careful about. What do you, what what are your philosophies as far as nutrition while somebody's pregnant?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and of course I think, you know, that statement, um, that you made about I'm eating for two, that's just a myth out of convenience, um, it it, tr- it truly is it gives you, gives you an excuse to go for that second piece of cake or something um to you know finally say i don't have to follow any any rules like it's just open i'm you know i'm just here to to take in as much as i can and you know it's it's almost a time for women to you know you're getting you realize you're going we're getting bigger we know we're getting bigger we're getting fatter, whatever you, you know, however, hopefully I'm not offending anyone, but it's like another piece of cake is, a, is just a drop in the bucket. So I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to use this time to let myself go and enjoy. Um, but that's just a kind of a cop-out because I actually think that this is the time that we need to be eating the best for, that we can for ourselves. If there is one point in time that we need to be eating the best high quality, you know, nutrient dense foods, it is during pregnancy. And i I don't advocate any any specific eating styles or diets. Um, I advocate for, again, whole foods, non-processed foods, a variety of foods, lots of vegetables um you know limited sugars, you know, who you know, who doesn't at this at this moment? We all, I think we should all know, you know, what's considered maybe and I and maybe people don't know what's considered healthy or not. Um but, you know, if for the most part, if it's non-processed, I'm I mean that's the first, that's the first step. And I guess understanding what processed is defined as is a whole is a whole episode too. Um, but it's not the time to jump for for sugars and sweets because we're we're okay with letting ourselves go at this time. Um, yes having an an intense amount of sugar or going for the, you know, the extra sweets. um, Yes. Gestational diabetes is huge. And um, you know, if you're already starting a a little heavier, you know, your risk for that is higher. If you are older, your risk for that is higher too. So we want to do the best that we can. And of course, you know, the, the adage about um, you are like what you put in your body um, you, your baby is what is, you know, you are growing a human in there. So I would hope that we would make the best choices that we're going to go for um, a salad over a Big Mac. If, if we were presented with that option um, you know, so <laughs> I, 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 this is a difficult topic for me because uh, to me, it seems like a no-brainer, uh, but I think for a lot of people, maybe you get maybe when you get to this point and you have all these cravings, it's a little bit different when you're in the moment, um, and maybe if you're not keeping any food down, it's a it's a different story. Um, but yeah, we need we need to do better for ourselves and for our babies when it comes to to fueling our bodies in our pregnancy. Yeah,
0: no, I absolutely love that. Um, it was a really good explanation. I, you know, okay, so I'm in a part of a world that is really driven by aesthetics. People want to look really, really good around here. We actually have the per capita highest amount of plastic surgery in my area of of Salt Lake. Um, so it's very much about that. And I would always kind of cringe when I would see somebody doing really high intensity step classes classes all the way through their pregnancy. And, you know, then one week, all of a sudden they'd be gone, but within a week they'd be like back and already kind of complaining a little bit that they're carrying weight and they want the weight gone as soon as possible. And going back to this really high intensity step class, whatever it is, it's like, ah, I would, I would give a little bit of time. What, what kind of, um, exercise advice we give somebody who has just had their baby.
1: Sure. Uh, this is, this is huge. And, You know, there's, for the most part, when it comes to pregnancy, again, for the most, like, unless you're base jumping or you're going downhill mountain biking off a cliff, you know, things like that, um, for the most part, I'm not really too worried about pregnant women and what they're doing, um, there's, there's a little, you know, there's, it's deeper than that, but you know, on the, the superficial part of it, I'm typically not worried about pregnant women. I'm worried about postpartum women. And I want to just like grab them and shake them. And, and yes, and part of me blames, um, you know, the real housewives of, of Salt Lake city and, you know, everyone in LA and, you know, the whole, um, you know, got it like keeping up appearances even or keeping up with other people. And when the best way I like to sum up postpartum is whether you've had a C-section or whether you've had a vaginal delivery whatever that process looked like for you and you've went through 9 months of your body being like totally different totally totally changed is that Treat this like a knee injury. Like you're a football player who's injured their knee. What do they do after that? Well, they heal it, like they rest it first. So they kind of let some of the swelling, inflammation down. Uh, They let the body do some of its natural healing. Well, after that happens, they don't go back into football practice and back into the game. There's this like middle part, this whole... Rehab part, this rebuilding part, where you are retraining the body. And that's what every woman misses. And it drives me crazy because a lot of times I see women and they've gone back to mom boot camp, they've gone back to, um, I don't know what like what's the the chic exercise ladies program in in Salt Lake right now or do you not know the trends I I don't know
0: fortunately I don't know the trends I'm sure there are some but since we started our own little business we're in our own little world so everybody can do whatever they want
1: (laughs) but you get the idea like the goal is for women to be like the whole skinny like maybe orange theory something like that um even some of these like spin classes now that are kind of like Bougie spin classes. Yeah, we have tons um, of those, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, you just the goal is skinny, like <laughs> we're really not trying to improve uh anything else, we're just trying to look, you know, skinny and shredded or what have you. Um and a lot of women that that just jump into that stuff, I end up seeing them because they're injured afterwards. And I don't want to see you at that point because it's harder, it's harder to fix that. So if more women take the time in that sort of in-between time to start working on rehabbing, rebuilding, and retraining the body, that's where the magic happens. Because a lot of times, you know, we can become better and stronger than we were before, because of course we always, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't have the best posture as it is right now. Um, And I could probably use some focus time on working on some imbalances and things like that i think we all can so coming out of pregnancy it's the perfect time where we can kind of slow down a little bit work on this stuff so that we can like speed up and be and and yes if you want to be better than you were before you know that is something that is achievable um but yeah there is this sort of in the middle period that I would say 95% of women just skip or don't even know about. I think that's the biggest thing. They don't know. Sure. Um, And I can kind of go at nausea at this topic (laughs) if you want to. I'm I'm doing a workshop next week, you know, all about this topic too.
0: No, I absolutely love that. I think the way you explained it in the very beginning about strength, there's other ways to be strong that, is not the same as going to a gym and lifting heavy, heavy weights. There's a time and a place for that. There's other things that you can work on to be strong in that period of time where, you know, maybe just going on an easy walk or giving yourself permission to take an extra nap or like snag a shower or something. It just seems like it's, you know, pure chaos at that time. You know, the worst thing you'd want to do, in my opinion, is, is add a ton of like really heavy physical activity when it's more time for repair, regeneration, and really spending quality time with your new child.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like a hundred percent. And I just don't, I, I don't know (laughs) how to reach these people and, uh, you know, give them a shake because, um, it, it just, it happens all the time. And, um, part of me is like these, I feel like I just need to stand outside of, um, these gyms <laughs> and, and like snag these women before Please they do. like a, a bouncer
0: or something. Like Please snag do. them before they go in there. Like, sounds Stop, so helpful. Stop, <laughs> you're making a bad decision. Uh, that sounds so helpful. Yeah, and and you know we get we get so obsessed with the end result, and not not many of us are willing to go through the process. And being pregnant is such a long process, and and it I guess it's natural to want to you know day one after pregnancy get back to exactly where you were, but just understand that's still a process. Your body is going to evolve in a different way and really appreciate that at the time that you're doing it. That's a really special time in a woman's life. And I wish, I wish they would, you know, enjoy that process a little bit more versus just worrying about, I want to look X again. And that's like the most important thing is that, that kind of aesthetic, um, another thing that I know you're totally an expert on is diastasis recti. This is something that seems to happen for a lot of women. Um, can you explain what it is and what things we should be thinking about it and how to address it and and why things like traditional you know core work, like doing lots of sit ups or lots of spinal flexion or Kegels or whatever, is not maybe the best thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because this is probably like. Um, of what I'm talking about in my workshop next week is about diastasis, how to figure out if you've got diastasis and, you know, kind of what, like kind of where to start, where do you go next from there? Um, And it's so funny because it it also has to do with our culture. And I'm sure your Salt Lake ladies um, are, are definitely in the same boat. Like the, we want to fix the aesthetic. Um, And the belly is like the first thing that we notice and we think that other people notice about us, especially if you're women. Um, You know, if you are, if you had a friend that had a baby a couple months ago, What do you think these women are all doing? They're going over to their friend's house, not only just to see the baby, but they want to see like, how does mom look? You know, is is mom in her old jeans? Is she looking skinny today? Um, So like the belly is huge. And when I have people in my Facebook group and, you know, on social media, um, ask a question. Most of the time it's about um, the belly, like mom pooch, ab separation, diastasis, like whatever you call it. Um, but most of them are coming at this from an aesthetic perspective as opposed to, well, maybe there's something functionally deeper going on. I, I can't move the same way. Things don't feel right. Like they used to, Um, you know, things feel off. That's kind of, of course, where I tend to bring, like, that's kind of more my, my bread and butter or where I try to like transition the thought, like, I want to go deeper than just, just the aesthetic for some of these women. So, um, you know, diastasis recti is, um, you know, if you are looking at, at the abs, like if you can visually, um, imagine, um, the six pack of the abs and you know that there's a right side and a left side of the rectus abdominis, and there's some connective tissue in the middle, uh, called the linea alba that's in between them. And as you get larger with a baby, you get bigger, your belly gets bigger, this, the right and left rectus will just, will spread apart naturally. Um, The tissue is going to thin out, it's going to open up, and it's going to do that in order to accommodate the baby. And studies and data have shown that at the time of delivery, labor, what have you, 100% of women have a diastasis, 100%. So this is something that, you know, we all have to kind of think of in the back of our mind. And I think it's only been maybe in the last five or so years that women actually know that this is a thing. And I think there's still a lot of women that um, are very unfamiliar that that this is a thing. Um, diastasis, of course, 100% have this, you know, during during birth or labor. So that means that it's it's really not preventable. It's it's something that's going it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So during pregnancy, yes, there are things that we can do to prevent it from getting worse. And I do talk about that in my my do and don't guide things to kind of avoid because it's going to irritate it and um you know make it and exacerbate it, make it a little bit worse. So but then there's also that postpartum period too, where there are some things that we should consider um, to hold off on until that is, you know, is rectified. So, you know, when it comes to a a diastasis um, I think the data and the numbers are going to fluctuate a little bit, but at six, I think it's six weeks postpartum, I believe it was like 62% of women still had a diastasis and then at 6 months it's like 35%. The numbers are just a little off in either direction. They're not hard numbers. I don't have any data in front of me. Um so a lot of it will take care of itself naturally with not a lot of intervention. You know, if you're younger and you didn't you know you didn't go like you didn't irritate it very much during your, your pregnancy. Like you took care of yourself throughout your workouts. You're not, um, a gymnast in, you know, your last week of pregnancy. Um, you know, you may, you may be better off than someone. So most, some women don't need any intervention at all. And then there's of course that third of women that struggle with a diastasis following pregnancy. And of course, out of that third, I would probably say that More than half don't even know that they have it or that they're struggling with it. Um, They may look in the mirror and notice something's a little bit off um, or a little bit weird. But again, most of it is something that if we take care of it properly and we allow that body to heal, rebuild and rehab and start doing some selective exercises that support it instead of irritate it. um, It's going to take care of itself naturally. For the most part, there are individuals that need surgery and such. And, um, you know, is there anything that you know, I miss, cause I know you asked me like five questions all at once. What did I miss? Cause I get into my ramble and <laughs> I
0: know it's great. No, I, that was a great answer. And, and it just sounds like the, the name of the game for a lot of this stuff is to be really patient, to give yourself some grace and give yourself a little bit of time and not come crashing through this period of your life. You know, be really gentle with yourself, do some breathing, maybe some light yoga or Pilates or something, as long as you're not pushing too far, it's really about listening to the body and not trying to add a ton of intensity. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, there is—you know—when you're strengthening anything, um, progression is important. We're not going to start out with because we want to fix the abs with the hardest ab exercise, you know, possible out there. Uh, it's just not—it's just not realistic. It's going to cause more harm than good. So what we do need to realize is, you know, I do recommend every single woman um, who has just had a baby to visit a pelvic floor physical therapist, hundred percent. And they do a full internal and external evaluation. And, you know, they kind of give you an idea of what you are working with going forward. And they give you a better idea. Like your doctor says, oh, it's six weeks. Go ahead. Work out like you used to. Um, I typically don't trust that. That's one of the, the, what I call a myth. And, um, but if you have the ability to go and see a pelvic floor physical therapist, that's a number one way uh, to get you on track. Now working, you know, you can also do that through someone like myself. Um, Again, like I was talking about my workshop, workshop I'm doing does the same thing. It helps women give themselves a, a, you know, personal, um readiness guide of where their body is at it's almost like what's your before picture <laughs> before you start working out so i kind of go and show women oh this is what to look for with your diastasis this is this means you you know you need to start here or you need to start there um And just like pregnancy, where we're all individuals, our postpartum is going to be individual too. So, you know, some woman is going to have a lot of struggles with the pelvic floor. Some woman's going to have maybe more issues with joint pain. Some women are going to have problems with the abs and managing the pressure that's going on in their abs and pelvic floor. So there's like a huge uh, can of worms that we don't really talk about or help women with. So uh really starting with the basics and trying to get appropriately assess your body and where you're at. And then you can start doing again, like you said, little exercises. The first thing I start with with all my clients um is breathing. And of course anyone that's super athletic is just like, oh, they roll their eyes. They're like, I don't want to do this stuff. Um, but Breathing is the the best thing that you can do for your core and pelvic floor when you're getting started after baby. Um, The best thing is, is, you know, starting some of these rehab stuff. You can do this when you're two weeks postpartum, three weeks postpartum, even four weeks postpartum. Unlike, you know, the women that sit and wait for their doctor to give clearance at six weeks or eight weeks, you can actually start on stuff like, breathing and retraining some of these patterns and postures that our body has developed over, you know, over these nine months fairly early. So, um, you know, you're, you'll be ahead of the game if you kind of start with this work. So that's why I really like to promote it. It's, you know, this whole period waiting for doctor clearance, you don't have to sit on your, your butt (laughs) until, until the six week mark. And it's, it's, um, you know, just like, Injuries these days, like someone goes in for knee surgery and they have, you know, a couple of days of immobilization. But what happens before they leave the hospital? Well, they need to walk the hospital floor with a walker before they'll be discharged. So to say that you have to be completely immobilized for six weeks before you start working out is actually doing your body a disservice. You're actually you know, your muscles are starting to atrophy. You're, you know, we do need to get back into some sort of exercise sooner than than we think after baby. It's just a different kind of exercise. Uh, it's not the boot camp. It's, you know, it's something like walking. It's something like, um, you know, rehab exercises. That's what's super important.
0: So that's my.
1: Uh, long winded answer
0: to yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> No, that's great. I love having that, that idea of progression. Like, yeah, you're going to start out in this area and it's going to be a lot lower intensity than what you were doing before, but this can, this will get better over time. And it doesn't mean to do nothing the whole time. i love how you explain that. This has been a super fun conversation. I've really learned a lot and I feel like we are barely scratching the surface on all this. So I would love to point people to where they can find you, where they connect, where they can connect with you and your work, um, and where they can find your podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. So my main hub is my website, which is strongmomsfitness.com. And that is moms plurals. Um, I don't know if that will take you somewhere else if you do a strong mom fitness, but strongmomsfitness.com. That is my hub that will link to everywhere I am. Uh, my podcast is called the strong moms fitness pregnancy and postpartum fitness podcast. So, um, if you, if you uh, type in Strong Moms to your favorite player, you will find that in all the major players. Um, I do on my website have a lot of resources and references that go into um, way more detail than what we talked about today. Of course, what we talked about today kind of scratches the surface and It's hard to take in all this information unless you're able to start working with it and applying it and and being there. It's hard to kind of give you a checklist because really in life, it's hard to follow a checklist. As we know, there's a lot of ups and downs. So I do have a guide for the do and don'ts of pregnancy that walk through each trimester and then I also have for postpartum, I have this this workshop that I'm doing um, next week, and it's going to be available um, for people to check out in the future, too. So if um, it's going to be on June 14th and 16th, so if that is something that you guys um, are missing, I will have... Um, that workshop going on continuously, so don't feel like you've you've missed out. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of promotion for that. I'm going to run that once a month. So, but that goes through the basic assessments of where a woman needs to start right after baby. So, it, um, you know, as a group through a workshop, we start talking about um, the different areas of the body. We talk about the, what's going on with the core, what's going on the, with the pelvic floor, and seeing where is your next step so I do have that it's called fit body after baby workshop and I am for all the ab women I do have a resource of the best exercises that I like to start moms on when it comes to rehabbing their body uh, if they want to get back into if they're concerned with abs which you know everyone asks me about abs first that's our first aesthetic concern and so I've Gone on, and I've made a little guide for that, and I and I have a book called Flat Abs After Baby, that is also resourced on my book too, and I have uh, a postpartum rehab program called Rebuild After Baby, as well as a, a pregnancy workout program. So there's a lot going on. It's all on my website. Just take the time to click around, and um, you should be able to navigate and find all these good resources that are great for all the different phases of pregnancy
0: that's awesome yeah we will link to all of that in the show notes there's definitely a lot of information there that people can go and find help so daisy bravo thank you so very much for taking the time to be on our show today thank you for all your work in this area and for sharing your message it's really helpful and important and i think it's so nice to have somebody who is debunking some of the myths and ideas that are a little antiquated around this so thank you so very much and thank you for being on our show today we really appreciate you Thank you. It's such a pleasure to continue to get the message out there. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. Thank you again so very much for continuing to listen to and support Boundless Body Radio. This little passion project that we started almost two years ago just continues to steadily grow. We are reaching more people than ever, and we keep receiving so many inspirational and amazing messages from you. We see it in all the reviews that we get, and we really appreciate that. So thank you so very much for that. We love understanding which guests you really connect with and which content you really appreciate the most. We wanted to take a second also to give a huge shout out to our amazing guests we love the people that we've been able to host and all their amazing content in these awesome conversations and we have to say in the pipeline we already have lots of great episodes that will be coming to you soon and lots of great guests some will be new to the show and others will be familiar to you if you have been listening to our show for a while so look forward to that on our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. We are still running a lot of the same offers that we have been running for the last few months. These offers are complimentary and we've really had a great time connecting with people all over the world who are taking advantage of these. So if you go to our website, which again is myboundlessbody.com, on the main page, you'll find a button that says book now. You can book either a functional movement screen, which is a movement screening tool used to evaluate movement patterns, to optimize mobility, fitness, and injury prevention, We do that virtually through Zoom with a bit of creativity. You can book that session, which takes about 30 minutes and is complimentary. You can also see another booking for a 30-minute consultation with us where we can really chat about anything that you like. We can talk about fitness or nutrition or help you come up with a plan for you to be able to reach your goals. As always, it really helps us grow if you leave us a rating and review. So please be sure to go to Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. And thank you, as always, for listening to Boundless Body Radio.